Welcome to the Tailblazers podcast. Hello everyone and happy new year from Tailblazers. We have had a very few busy months, but we are back with a very special podcast. As today, we are excited as we have our first guest. Uh, and the theme of this uh, this month's podcast comes from when we did our um, the opening of Light Play at Rock Walk, which was just before Christmas. Uh, so we were invited by Tonic Creatives to go down and do a, a special event down there to um, to kind of open the new light show that was down there. And we were asked to put on a little bit about geology and a little bit about storytelling. So um, Kev decided to do a ballad, and he wrote his own ballad about William Pengelly. And so that's going to be the theme of today's podcast. Um, Kev, can I hand over to you? Yeah, you certainly can. I mean, Pengeli is a name that you are very likely to see, certainly around my end of Torquay. Um, he's mentioned on uh, a fountain by St. Matthias Church. Just around the corner in Down Nilsham Road, you'll find a blue plaque dedicated to him, just uh, sort of stuck outside Ken's Cavern. So who was William Pengeli? William Pengeli was a, a scholar, but he came to Torquay in the 1830s. He wasn't a local lad. Uh, he was a Cornishman. Um, he was born the son of a sea captain, <laughs> but he did not follow in his father's wake. He decided instead that he would create a great appreciation and love of numbers. Uh, so when he came to Torquay, uh, he started a, a, a school, a, a school of mathematics, and it did really, really well. It did so well that... Um, after just a few years, he was able to sell it. He was able to sell it as a going concern. And that gave him the the, uh, the the time to take up private tutoring in the mornings and allow him to do his main love, which was a huge interest in geology and archaeology. Now, um, today, to give us a unique insight into William Panigale, his achievements and his legacy, I am delighted to introduce to you our special guest. This is owner of Kent's Cavern and the chair of the English Riviera UNESCO Global Geopark, Mr. Nick Powell. Nick, thank you for joining us. Well, Kevin, it's a great pleasure to be here and uh, really, really pleased to be talking about something that's uh, very close to my heart and has been part of my family's um, involvement for, for quite a few generations. A very long time, 120-something yeah. years? Yeah, it's been... Um, so, yeah, well, well, I mean, you haven't been around for all of it, obviously, <laughs> but you've been around for a fair bit of it. Um, you must have heard the name Pengeli at a very early age, is what I'm, I'm thinking. Hmm. Well, I, absolutely, because um, my great-great-grandfather was, was employed by William Pengelly um, on the excavation of, of the caves. And Pengelly wanted to, he wanted a team of people that he could rely on because he had to scientifically prove that what he was finding in the cave was genuinely from a certain period of time. And he, up until then, everybody had, was convinced that all the artifacts, everything that was found in the caves had been placed there just placed there by modern visitors. But Pengeli needed a team that were going to kind of apply diligence to their work and 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 report back and he would he would he would be able to record everything that he that he found. And in doing so he had a small team, just four people, and my great great grandfather was was the foreman, a chap called George Smerton. So uh, he was um, and, and he lasted a few a few years. Pengeli was um, by no means the, the first person to excavate Kent's cabin, was he, Nick? He was, he was following in someone's footsteps. Absolutely. So, so, so Pengeli had been inspired by, um, by previous excavations in the caves, and, the, and the main, his main inspiration was, um, 
was Father John McHenry. Now, John McHenry was a Roman Catholic priest, and he worked for the Carey family. Now, in Torquay, there were two great families. There was the uh, there was the Carey family, and who were Catholic, and then there was the the Polks, uh, Lawrence Polk. And in fact, Kent's Cavern was owned that was on land that belonged to Lawrence Polk, and Lawrence Polk. Um, um, it was the sixth generation of of, of, um, of the Polk family, who was by then Lord Holden, and uh, so he. But you had these two families, and John McHenry, with the first this Roman Catholic priest, had, would come across to Torquay. He'd come to Kent's Cavern. In fact, he came to a little chapel that was across the way. So if you if you stand at Kent's Cavern, you look across the valley, you see um, there's a um, there was a convent across the way, and there's a little chapel in the grounds of that convent. And he'd come there for sort of um, for a retreat in the in the um, in, in, in the summer, and and he he knew about Kent's Cavern, and Kent's Cavern had been known about for hundreds of years, and this was Pengelly's dilemma: is that uh-huh. people had been coming to the caves for so long, and and they've been visiting it. I mean, the oldest inscription is what 1571 is the oldest inscription in the caves. And what McHenry had done is McHenry had been sort of applying his sort of you know his his intellect and his 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 his, his desire for knowledge. To, to excavate the caves. And he was finding in the caves bones of extinct animals. Now, this was about 1820, 1830. No, nobody had a, an issue with that. Everybody was quite happy that um, there had been extinct anim- animals on this planet that, have been, um, that were now extinct. Um, Mary Anning, of course. Mary Anning had been collecting seashells along the seashore, along the Jurassic coast, you know, these great animals. And everybody was quite happy that these animals had lived on this planet. But... They were all taken away in some great flood event. Um, and But the thing that confused McHenry was that in the caves, at exactly the same level, exactly the same level in the caves, were stones. Stones that weren't just ordinary stones. They'd been shaped by some kind of, some kind of intelligent creature. And even in the 1820s, it was pretty obvious that there was only one creature that could have done this, and that was a human being. And the fact that these these stones have been found in the caves at the same level to McHenry, the obvious conclusion was that man was contemporary with these ancient creatures. But this was impossible. How could this possibly be? And it didn't it didn't accord with anything that he believed in. And um, and in fact, with many people, just thought there was absolute it, it couldn't possibly be true. And the greatest geologists of the time came down to to, to Kent's cavern. The Reverend Buckland was one of them, and they convinced McHenry that that all this had been placed in the caves by recent visitors. Look at the inscriptions. Fifteen seventy people have been coming into this cave. In fact, we know now the, the Romans that, were coming in. The popularity of the cave and the fact that it had been known, it made Pengilly's job a lot more difficult. He couldn't couldn't conclusively prove, he couldn't work with uh, John McHenry's uh, theories, he couldn't conclusively prove them because all that calcite chlorine had been disturbed, there had been people there. I do I do make that very clear in, in, in my ballad. But then, then Windmill Cave, Windmill Hill Cave up in Brixton, that was discovered, wasn't it? And that changed everything, didn't it, Nick? Absolutely. So this was the real breakthrough for 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 Pengeli because because he, he was up against all this controversy and 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 but suddenly this builder John Phipps over in Brixham was building these rural cottages and was punching through into to create the foundations for the um, for his um, for his his houses. He punched through into a completely sealed cave. Nobody knew this cave existed, and in this cave were bones of extinct animals 
and these hand axes, exactly the same as what was found at Kent's cabin. So suddenly, this idea that everybody had put forward, that all these, these hand axes had been put in the caves in modern times, couldn't possibly be true, because this cave was not known about. And so Pengeli set about exploring this cave. He, he worked there for a year, um, in about the 18, 1859, and um, he... Um, and he convinced the, the 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 institutions in London that it was worth funding an excavation at Kent's Cavern, and that's uh, and, and so it was his work there that gave him the the support that he needed to turn his attention to Kent's Cavern, which he knew was going to be a real challenge because he had to had to over overcome this idea that people had been coming in here placing all this stuff in the cave. Yes. Yeah. As, as, and and the the system that they used to excavate Windmill Hill. Um, it was the it was the first instance of is it the leveling system? Um, is that what it's called, Nick? Yeah. So 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 Pengeli he invented this sort of three dimensional recording process, which allowed him to to um, to record things in in, well, in three dimensions. And it was the first time that a site had been systematically ex explored and recorded. And this was the key. And it, it, it would be decades before uh, uh, any site um, in the world was excavated to the same level that um, the, where the Brixel, Brixham Cave was done, and then Kent's Cavern was, was subsequently excavated. And the Kent's Cavern excavation lasted 15 years. And Pengeli's gone. So he, he really invented modern archaeological techniques. So what we see on, on, on modern digs, sites is exactly the same principle that Pengeli applied and invented and pioneered at Kent's Cavern. That is pretty amazing to think that that all started here, isn't it? Well, yeah, you know, that absolutely, you know, the antiquity, you know, the pr proof of the antiquity of man was kind of, was really, um, McHenry kind of, you know, had demonstrated that. And then Pellingeli came along and invented archaeology and, and and demonstrated this. But these were two guys that, that didn't have the, I suppose, the education and the connections to the great academic world of Oxford and Cambridge and the London institutions. And, and it was like, you know, they were, they just couldn't get the respect of the of of the authorities to kind of to demonstrate what they were doing. You know, was 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 remarkable. Pengeli had a good try though. Pengeli was very well connected, and he he really, you know, he had some good friends. You know, and Torquay, you got to think Torquay back in the eighteen eighteen eighties eighteen was 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 the place to be to to be seen. I mean, Queen Victoria would come here. The uh, the Russian royal family were here. This was it was the place, and Pengeli would end entertain all these people and, and, and they'd all come along and see what he was doing and he'd give lectures in his house in Torquay um, and, and, and so it, he, he became a, a sensation really of what he was discovering um, and, and then and, and his work is, is now recognised as, as being quite special but um, I don't think he's still recognised as, as having invented archaeology and he should have been really. Well, he's, um, he's he's certainly very popular around this way, and for pretty good reasons. Um, Fifteen years excavating a cave mm. can be pretty detrimental to the health, but by all accounts, Pengeli looked after your great great grandfather and the men that worked with him. Yeah, he was pretty. He was pretty, um, pretty sort of. Well, his Victorian work work ethic was exactly what uh, you'd expect. He was, you know, six days a week um, was was the was the work schedule. Um, I don't. I Pengeli wouldn't. You know, he wouldn't pick up a spade and um, and do the digging himself. He he employed his a small team. He wanted a nice small team to to make sure that you know he could control them. Um, before my my great grandfather, before uh, John uh, George Smerton, um, he, somebody he had somebody else, a chap called Charles Keeping, who was um, who was involved in the excavation. But 
you know, Charles Keeping wasn't quite, you know, he wasn't going to take the orders that that George Schmerden did. And, and George was just the perfect guy that, that Pengeli needed to kind of just do exactly what he wanted to do. Um, he did get some time off. He got married. George Schmerden mar- um, uh, got married and uh, he had some time off for his, his, um, his, um, his, his wedding. Um, but um, other than that, it was uh, every day to the cave. And you can, and in Pengeli's diaries, it's meticulously written when he went to the cave and and, and everything they did. And, they, and, and there's an entry every single day until the 19th of June, 1880. And that's when they they decided to stop the excavation. That the excavation was over. That was 15 years later. And at that point, George Smerden became custodian of Kent's cabin. And Pengeli achieved what he wanted to do, which was to protect the cave. And that was what Pengeli was worried that people were gonna were coming had been coming into the cave and were just trashing it, really, and he needed it to be protected. And so since the 19th of June, 1880, Kent's Cavern has been protected and the conservation has been as strong as it as it is today. That's excellent. Oh, Victoria, you, you've got a question there? Yes, I do. Thank you. Um, just working our way back a little bit, you were talking about Windmill Hill Cave before, and it's sadly closed to the public and has been for many years. Isn't that so? Um, and... Have you ever been there, Nick? So, do, do you know, I haven't. I've never been there. I've, I've done. I've been down Mount Pleasant Terrace, which is where it is. It's in a street in, in Brixham. It's underneath the house. It's underneath the terrace house now. The houses that were built. Um, it it was open to the public. It was it was open, um, but um, but is no longer uh, so. Um, it it is still accessible. Um, it can, and many scientists um, go in and, and research in the cave. It's a scheduled ancient monument, which, um, as is Kent's Cavern, which is, of course, the highest level of protection you can get in this country. It doesn't get any higher than a scheduled ancient monument. I mean, Stonehenge is one, and Kent's Cavern and, and Windmill Cave is, is also a scheduled ancient monument. So, so these these places have the most remarkable. Uh, protection, um, but uh, but they're there. They're still there, and um, there's there's definitely work that could be done to 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 continue this exploration and, and research still does continue, um, even in Kent's Cavern, uh, all about um, you know who actually lived there and when. Well, it, it, it's a shame that we can't get to uh, to Windmill Hill Cave, but um, uh, maybe one day when Dale Blazers is. Is super powerful. Maybe we'll get invited to go there to have a look at the geology. That would be great. Um, Nick, uh, one cave that is definitely open to the public is Ken's Cavern. And if you are local and you've never been, this month, it's, it's a pretty good month to go, isn't it? Well, yes, at a moment of madness, we um, we we actually um, we we we've offered a fifty percent um, um, uh, discount. So, if anybody lives in the in the local area, so if you if you if you live in a TQ or an EX or a PL postcode, then uh, yeah, just just um, just stick in the, the the code onto the ticketing site, and uh, I think it's locals deals twenty twenty two. And uh, and I'll give you fifty percent off. And uh, and you know what? This is a great time to come and visit. Actually, this time, you know, in, in in the quarter months outside the holiday season, it's it's a pretty good time to come and visit. Um, it's uh, and, and the guides are, are pretty, you know, much more I suppose more more able to spend more time with you and answer questions that you might have. So it's it's a great time to visit. And of course, it's always the same temperature, isn't it? It's always fifteen degrees in the cave. It's the same temperature every single day of the year. And uh, and at the moment, it's, it feels really warm because it's we're in the middle of winter at the moment, and it's 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 a great place to be. I have to say, my boys are age 10 and 7, and we've been to Kent's Cavern several times, and they absolutely love it, especially when, can I spoil this, when the lights go off? They absolutely <laughs> just love that moment of just being in that complete pitch darkness. It's, it's brilliant. 
Um, yeah. So, Nick, is that is that January 2022, the, the locals' month? Yeah, it's on to the middle of it's on to the middle of February. It's on till the, the middle of February. Of February. Okay, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thanks very much for uh, for spending this time with us, Nick. Um, we're looking forward to seeing loads more exciting projects uh, for Tailblazers coming out of our partnership with the Geopark Group. Um, wish you the best of luck at the caves in the coming year. Oh, thank you very much indeed. It was green, great chatting. Well, that's all about the time we have for this today. I certainly know a lot more about William Pengelly than I did at the start. So I thank you so much, Nick, for coming on our podcast, being our first ever guest. Uh, And can you, your Pengelly ballad is available in audio format on the website, isn't it? Um, Not quite yet. I mean, it's it's imminently due. Um, I will be performing it live uh, on my way past the caves uh, during the Riviera Walk Festival, a walking festival walk. Um, But we are going to talk about that in another podcast at a later date. Nick, it has been a pleasure. Thanks again from all of us here at Tailblazers. Um, Thanks everyone for listening. And remember, everything has a story in it. Change the story. Change the world. Bye! Bye! Bye. Tailblazers is a community interest company set up to celebrate the folktales of South Devon and Dartmoor. For more information about us, please visit our website at www.tailblazers.org.uk. See you next time!